It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to an encore presentation of Moment of Truth that we did back in November of 2020 with Tanya Talaga. And stick around because coming up after this interview, we have a new interview with Tanya Talaga that expands on this very topic we're going to be talking about in this segment of Moment of Truth. It is a great pleasure to welcome to the show Tanya Talaga. She is of Ojibwe heritage and she's a journalist who was with Toronto Star for many years. And of course, she is also the author of the acclaimed Seven Fallen Feathers, which received the RBC Taylor Prize and also won the Shaughnessy Cohen Prize for Political Writing and the First Nation uh, Communities Read for Young Adults. Uh, Tanya, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course, uh, we're here to talk about something new uh, for you, uh, Seven Truths, which is an audio version of some of your, your writings that you have uh, been looking into. The, uh, the Seven Truths, of course, Seven Grandfather Teachings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, this is something um, totally uh, new from from me, and it was uh, something I've been thinking about for a while. And that is how can we how can we explain and how can we talk about the seven sacred teachings, the seven grandfather teachings, in a way that tells contemporary story as well. You know. Um, as uh, an Anishinaabe person, I think of these seven teachings and I try to live my life through these teachings. And so I have told stories using each of these teachings. Uh, some are historical, a little bit historical, and some are very current. Uh, interesting comment there about living your life through the seven teachings. I'd like to come back to that in a little bit, if you don't mind. But first of all, this is being done through Audible CA, which launched in 2017, uh, which brings uh, bilingual services to Canadians and the opportunity to listen to a broad range of audiobooks, which is not what this is, correct? This is not an audiobook. This is an audio version that's right. Yeah, this is a, a podcast series. So this is the first time I've ever done a, a podcast series, written a podcast series. Um, and it's it's a whole new, for me, it's it's a new format. You know, I've been a, a journalist and a um, an author, but I've never written for radio. Mm. And um, the podcasts are... Um, podcasts to me are really something I, I wanted to do uh, because, you know, we... It's so much rooted in oral story. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this would be like an incredible way to bring our stories forward. And so I pitched the idea of Seven Truths to Audible and they accepted it. So that's how it came to you. Um, And consequently, I've been working on it actually all through the um, all through the pandemic. Mm. Um, I was on a flight on March 12th, leaving Thunder Bay, coming back to Toronto, just having wrapped up uh, about four of the episodes interviews that we needed. It was the last thing I I did, um, you know, before the lockdown happened. Mm. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to be up in Thunder Bay and to do all of this. Um, And I have to say that um, I've got a lot of the the stories are... um, are of Thunder Bay, are from Thunder Bay. And um, we even um, did some recording in a studio in Thunder Bay. <laughs> so it's, it's been pretty cool. 
Now, of course, you're no stranger to public speaking. You, you've been on the road and, and you've done a, a lot of that, that kind of thing. You're, you're a very sought after public speaker. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because public speaking was never something that I aspired to do in my lifetime. I was always the nervous kid in the corner of the class that didn't really have very many friends and preferred to read books and to keep to myself. And um, if you were to have told my 10-year-old self that this is what you would be doing when you hit an older age, I would never have believed it in 10,000 years. Mm. Um, But, you know, I think that if, as especially as an indigenous person, if you are given a platform, um, if it comes to you, you have to take it mm. and to try and tell our stories. And that's um, that's what I hope I'm doing here with uh, seven teachings. Or, sorry, um, seven truths. That responsibility you just spoke about, if you get the opportunity that if it comes to you that you have to take it in order to share those stories and get that message out there. Uh, I think most Indigenous people feel that responsibility. It's not something that necessarily, like you said, that they that you want, but it's thrust right. upon you and, you and you feel that you need to do that uh, because of that responsibility to, to get the message out there. How do you how do you see this is, is different? Of course, you mentioned it's very uh, um, oral, so it, it's kind of coming mm-hmm. full circle back to the oral teachings. And and what a wonderful time of year to to have it come out. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. the time of year for telling stories. As I started to listen to a, a little bit of of some of them, um, I have to say, I wonder, I wonder how you you could envision these being used by people you know one-on-one in a room with a group of people maybe with some kids sitting around Mm -hmm. maybe a fire you know in a in a big Mm -hmm. room with a you know a a sound system and things at this time of year because it's it's time for storytelling right Mm -hmm. that's a that's a beautiful uh, question thanks thanks for asking that you know one of the things that were was really really important to me telling the seven truths um, was to have them explained through uh, Sam Achni Paneskam. Mm. Sam is uh, an elder, and I, you know, I like to call him my elder, um, not to be possessive or anything like that. But um, Sam has been an incredible help to me, and he is somebody that I speak to every day. Um, I was actually just texting with him um, as he's sitting um, this morning at uh, at the Northwestern Hotel in Thunder Bay, um, actually waiting for his breakfast to arrive, um, mm. and. And, uh, you know, Sam has been an incredible help to, to me. And he is throughout each of the, um, each of the podcast episodes speaking in Anishinaabewewe, speaking mm. in our language, mm. um, the seven truths, the seven teachings. And so I am so happy to bring a language component to the podcast because I think that's so important with our storytelling and with the teaching aspect, too, of the, this podcast series. Um, I hope that that comes across and that you can sit around a campfire or sit in a classroom and talk about these stories and listen to Sam's words and to the meaning of the teachings and think about and reflect how can you apply them to your own life, mm-hmm. you know, and how Canada too. I mean, sure. non-Indigenous people can also apply these teachings to their lives. I mean, these teachings are, you know, love and bravery, humility, wisdom, honesty, respect and truth. 
all of these teachings are so integral in just leading your life as a, as a human being. And I often think that Canadians would benefit as well from taking these teachings to heart. And you mentioned non-Indigenous people as well. Who do you think the series is for? The series is for everyone. It really is. You know, it's a, it's a series about our teachings. It's a series for anyone who is willing to open their ears and their hearts to listen to these stories. I hope that it will, um, it will have broad appeal. And I hope that people will listen with open hearts. really do. As someone who is an author, you've worked in different mediums. You've worked in, in presentation. You've worked uh, as a journalist. So you're, you're always telling stories in different, in me, different mediums, using different ways to apply these stories. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you think each of those mediums uh, help to get the message out there? And, and what do you think the overlapping uh, element is, if there is one? Hmm. Um, you know, each of the, the mediums have their own challenges. You know, speaking to a classroom or to a room full of people or to a lecture hall is mm. totally different from doing a podcast series right. or doing a radio show. Um, and this is uh, this is something that I've learned, you know, and I've also learned that it's it's difficult. You know, it's it's difficult writing um, for a condensed space for a 30 minute uh, time slot with uh, an episode and figuring out how you bring in so many voices. But the beautiful thing about podcast is, is that it's other people telling the story, you know, um, and I'm so grateful. I have to just tell you right off the bat, I'm so grateful for everyone, everyone who participated in the, the this series. I mean, we have some incredible, incredible voices. And these stories come from our communities. These stories come from the land. And that was really important to me to get as many voices as I could to tell these stories. And, you know, I'm just, just briefly, I'll, I'll tell you that um, in one of this, the episodes, um, on the teaching called respect we have um the whole episode is about anasnabe park and about the occupation of the park that happened in 1974 and the story is told through the eyes of lynn skeed who is um um, she's older now but she was uh, a young woman at the time of the occupation and she was there Um, and she uh, is the um, former partner of louis cameron who uh, led that occupation with the Ojibwe Warrior Society. And, you know, her voice is incredible. And I'm so grateful that she told us her story for respect. And her son, Tyler, Louis Cameron's son, Mm. is also in the podcast. And Mm. he's reading his father. Mm. His father was interviewed um, in the early 1970s by a journalist. And we found this incredible transcript of him and his words. Mm. And to hear Tyler, you know, talk about or to be his father Mm. and to to tell the occupation through his eyes, it was just remarkable. Mm. And also in that episode, we have Robert Yago, um, an incredible journalist um, that I am um, so, so grateful to know, you know, and bringing in these voices in a podcast and like, so people can hear the voices of our people 
and people from different nations is so incredible to me. And that's a different way of storytelling. You know, when you're you're writing a book, it's um, you are also bringing in people's voices, but the narrative is very much your own. Mm. You are the one that is leading the storytelling. Um, so this has been a beautiful experience for me, I have to say, and I'm so proud of everyone who participated. Mm. It sounds great. I can't wait to to hear this and and you know congratulations to you on on getting this done and uh, and you know that that sounds wonderful. I want to come back to Sam if you don't mind because you introduced sure. him at the very top of the the first episode. As you said, you referred to him as your elder, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you guys have a bit of a <laughs> chuckle on 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 the the you know on the mics about that. Why do you why do you say he's your elder? First of all, um, well, I, I phrased it like that because you know he's been my teacher. He's very much been my teacher. Um, I am I'm in ceremony with Sam. Um, I go to the lodge with with Sam. Um, Sam is painfully on his part teaching me language every time I'm asking him because like I come from I come from nothing. I had no language to to fall back on. I mean, my mother, um, I've talked about this before in books, um, you know, uh, in my writings before my mom was raised by residential school survivors who mm. believed, uh, speaking Anishinaabewewin was, you know, was dirty. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't allowed when she was growing up. And so we've lost our language. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly trying to to learn again. And um, the episode, the first episode, love is about um, is about love in the sense of loving community, loving the people that you know, loving Anishinaabe ways and traditions and truths and it's about um, my affection too for Sam and for all that he's taught and all that he has done I mean um, I talk about this in the um, in the first episode Sam is a survivor of three Indian residential schools and um, he has he's lived the life and he continues to live it he continues to to teach and to be an open heart and open ears to anyone who asks for it. Um, and you, you can often find him holding court in uh, Tim Hortons downtown in Thunder Bay, you know, speaking to whoever needs to, to, um, to listen. And uh, he's, he's an incredible force. Um, I met him during the youth inquest into the seven fallen feathers. Mm. And we have been in touch since then. Um, when we did the Massey lectures across Canada, mm-hmm. Sam came with me. Mm. He closed out every single lecture in a good way. Um, he was with me and um, got me in the place I needed to be before I went on stage and spoke those lectures because some of them are very, very difficult to to speak of. You know, I talk about genocide. I talk about the uh, loss of, um, of youth in our communities. Um I talk about difficult things. And so we would start in ceremony every time I went onto stage. You're listening to an encore presentation of Moment of Truth with my guest, Tanya Talaga. And we're talking to her about uh, something new. It's an audio.ca uh, audible series that she has about uh, seven truths and about the seven teachings and uh, the grandfather teachings. You, you talk about the seven teachings and you talk about Sam and about that love that he Mm-hmm. embodies but you just talk also about his 
being a survivor of three residential schools. And it would be very easy for someone like Sam to be very negative and full of hate. How, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that, that passion and that love comes from? It comes from his teachings. It comes from love of community, love of our people. You know, he never gives up. That's the one thing that I admire so much about Sam. You know, he is someone who I would consider is, you know, one of one of our heroes. He has been visiting people. Um, he's not doing it right now at the moment, but for a long time, he was in the Thunder Bay Jail um, as an elder speaking to whoever, uh, anyone who needed him. He speaks very much with youth um, in youth facilities in Thunder Bay. He spends time with everyone who needs him. He's always there. Um, you can even see him, you know, in demonstrations and um, you'll always see him sort of standing at the side or wherever. Um, he is, um, he's someone who lives his life by the teachings. And you're absolutely right. You know, there's been a lot of sadness in Sam's life and he has overcome, you know. Um, and that to me is an inspiration. He always looks forward and thinks about our youth and about our future. And that can be hard, you know, it can be really hard keeping a positive outlook when you've had a lot of um, history happen to you. Mm -hmm. But as Indigenous people, we all have had history happen to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't, you don't ask for it, right? <laughs> I mean, you didn't ask to be sent to... Um, uh, three residential schools. Mm -hmm. And before he was sent, he was lucky to live on the land with his family mm. and to learn his language and his teachings. And um, that's something he carries with him. And he does find it um, um, important to pass it on. Mm. You're also uh, the president and CEO of Makwa Creative. That, that company also focuses on Indigenous storytelling. So everything you, you are focused on is, is about storytelling. And, and again, you, as you mentioned, um, as with Sam, as with many other Indigenous people that, that have sad stories uh, of, the, of parts of their lives, how do you go about getting those stories out so, because you want to make sure that they are accepted by people, that they don't turn people off and that you, you want to educate? Mm -hmm and also inform and enlighten. Miigwech mm -hmm. um, for that. You know, um, the resiliency of our people, I hope that shines through in our storytelling. And I hope people can see that and hear that when you listen to Seven Truths, when you listen to the story of respect and Anasnabe Park and, you know, love the, the story of Sam and uh, love for community. You know, I hope people connect with that and embrace that. I've always hoped that my storytelling tells the stories of those in our community and gives voice to many in our community that didn't have voice before, you know. Mm. There was, a, and that's why I started Macwa Creative as well, um, for such a long time. Our voices were not heard. Mm. They were silenced. They were they were erased. Mm. Um, there was an attempt by Canadian society, Canadian government, to completely erase us from the land. 
um, in schools, our language, our, our everything about us, the way we live. And that has failed, you know. And why has that failed? It's the resiliency and the beauty of our people. And we're only going to get stronger, you know. Um, I'm getting older now. And uh, part of the work that I do, I know, and the work Sam does, is to get that new generation up and running. And to like, give them a good push and say, there you go. Tell our stories and people will listen if you tell them with an open and honest heart. And I hope that's uh, what people will get out of Seven Truths. You know, you mentioned that you've been doing this, you want to pass it on to the further generations. Mm -hmm. And as you say, you know, you've been out there telling the stories. You've been sharing them through journalism. You've been sharing them through your books. You've just been sharing them through the nasty lectures. In the time that you have been out there and sharing the stories, have you seen this making an impact on, like you say, the younger generations who are going to continue to share the stories that you want to bring in so that they do that, but also on the non-Indigenous community of, of Canada? Oh, yeah. You know, um, it's uh, thanks for that question, too, because, you know, it's um, it's nice to see how after 2015, things did start to change so much. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And 2015 was the release of the Truth and Reconciliation Mm -hmm. Commission uh, final report. You know, that moment really opened a lot of things up because before then uh, people weren't listening to our voices as much right I mean like I spent a long time in mainstream media and it was hard you know Um, there wasn't a a massive appetite to listen to our stories and after um, social even the rise of social media absolutely you know with idle no more playing such a huge role in getting our voices out there the TRC opening up education for non-Indigenous Canadians so they could see what happened, the true history in their own country. All of that has been so important and I hope it's given youth a sense of of pride too Mm -hmm. in knowing who they are and where they come from and you know you could see it everywhere. You know you could see it in the youth of Thunder Bay, you can can see it from our youth coast to coast to coast. so many times we hear their stories now, we listen to their music, we see their art, and their voices are unstoppable. And I think they're only going to get stronger and stronger. And imagine what kind of an awful, cold place Canada would be without our voices. Mm-hmm. Nicely said. You also say that you try to live your life by the seven teachings. As someone that walks in two worlds, and has been doing that for quite some time. How, how is, is that a challenge for you? For sure. You know, um, you know, I talk about that in the first episode, love. I talk about the fact that, you know, my father is, is Polish. Like he was mm-hmm. Polish. He, he passed away in the um, late nineties. Um, and my mom is Ojibwe, right? My mom was raised in the traditional territory of Fort William first nation. Mm-hmm. And it's, not easy it's not easy making that that walk right and you know i was raised outside of community um i was raised in toronto and so i would go back with my mom to to go to race to go to thunder bay and visit with our our family and so then when they talk about the seven teachings it very much is a personal journey because i am learning i'm learning what it means to be an anishinaabe person and i think i learn every single day and I, I learn with the help of people like Sam, 
you know, I learn um, through the stories that I tell, through the people that I meet. I think that um, I'm always on a constant journey of learning. Mm. And that's how I see myself in the seven teachings for sure. You know, it's it's interesting. I was going to ask you to something you just sort of alluded to, and that is that you, you're always learning, but you're also uh, using these these tools to teach others at the same time. Thank you for saying that. It's you know, I'm 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 also teaching as I go along because I'm learning, and I'm trying to bring that that sort of path to other people because so many of us have been affected by the '60s scoop, have been affected mm. by residential school have um you know have grown up in families that didn't speak um, our language or know our ways because they were told that they were you know dirty and bad Mm. um and uh you had to be a good canadian and you know whatever that meant um and so i think there are a lot of um of people like myself that are reclaiming you know and trying to figure out a way forward and I hope that the Seven Truths helps a lot of people with that as well. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I, uh, I, I think there are a lot of people, including myself, in that boat uh, that was denied a lot about our, my own upbringing and uh, a very similar story and so many fronts. I have to ask you this because as you were talking, I thought about it um, in, in terms of the, the person who is the Indigenous person in a given area or in a given moment somewhere, um, not necessarily uh, by choice, but you are you automatically are the expert. You know what I'm saying? You're automatically the expert. Which is, <laughs> you know, sucks because you're not, right? You know, like it's just, you know, it's, it's so funny because, you know, I remember being on a national radio show, not yours, not yours, <laughs> um, but uh, it was a political talk show, right? And um, I got asked where the Indigenous vote was. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, and I said, I think I said on air, you know, well, gee, let me just pick up the phone and ask everyone. <laughs> I mean, you know, people assume that right. you are the speaker for yes. everyone. Yes. And that's so not true, right? Because we have so many nations, we yes. have so many voices. And even in the term Indigenous, you know, we've got First mm-hmm. Nations, Métis, Inuit. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's... Yeah, that's it's it's a tough label, you know. It is when you get labeled expert. And and, I, and I, that's another question I want to ask you. Then we're getting very close to ending, um, and that is, how do you feel now that you've been doing this for quite some time, and you've been, of course, sharing all these stories through through journalism and through your your novels and, and through the books that you mm-hmm. write and and all of these things? Do you feel anywhere close to being an expert at this point in time because of what you've been doing? No way. You know, it's the opposite. It makes me realize how much I have to learn. Mm. You know, um, I have so much to learn. Um, For instance, when I was um, uh, writing the Massey lectures, being on the West Coast and getting to know uh, some of the Stolo nations, Mm. I'm like, wow, Mm. our communities are so incredible and so diverse. Mm. And, you know, I am just so blessed to be here and to be learning these ways, uh, the ways of the Musqueam, the ways of the Squamish, um, and how uh, little I know know um beyond my own little confines too right mm. of of northern ontario and and in the north i mean our communities are so diverse um and we all come from different places and different experiences mm. but we all have the commonality of colonization yeah and what that has done to our mm. families um you know yeah. but uh but i i think that i'm learning more every day i really do right 
Well, Seven Truths is going to be available on November 26th, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, through audible.ca. Uh, is there anything else you want to add to that just before we finish up? You know, I just want to say, Rich for having me on uh, and letting me uh, talk about the process, the writing process, and also, too, about um, talking about the episodes themselves and two made up the, the episodes because honestly um, the voices here of our communities, they're just priceless mm. and they're wonderful. And I hope people listen and I hope they, um, they love them as much as I do. And that was the interview I did with Tanya Talaga back in November of 2020. Stick around because coming up, we have a brand new interview with Tanya Talaga regarding a new program from the Audible Indigenous Writers Circle. It's coming right up. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. And welcome back to Moment of Truth. It is a pleasure to have back on our show with us, Tanya Talaga. Now, you just heard a previous interview with her that we did oh, back in November or so, and it had to do with her Audible recordings entitled Seven Truths, a Canadian Audible original or Audible original podcast. And note, this is not an audiobook, but an audio series. She was kind enough to come on our show and talk about these seven truths and their Audible uh, series that they have done. Now, these are not, as was pointed out previously, these are these are, are not uh, audio books. This is an Audible series. And just to uh, once more bring you up to speed, Tanya Talaga is Ojibwe with the roots from Fort William First Nation and worked at the Toronto Star for more than 20 years as a journalist and has been nominated for five times for the Michener Award in Public Service Journalism. She holds an honorary Doctor of Letters from Lakehead University and sits on the boards of Penn Canada and the Narwhal. And Tanya is also the president and CEO of Makwa Creative, and that is a production company that's focused on Indigenous storytelling. And it also does that through the voices of documentary film, TV, and podcasts. So, Tanya is, of course, an acclaimed, award-winning Anishinaabe journalist and author. And it's a pleasure to have Tanya back on the show. Tanya, welcome. Bonjour. It's so wonderful to be here. It's good to speak to you today. And, you know, uh, I, you know, you mentioned just earlier prior to this conversation starting that you enjoyed our conversation last time about the Audible series. I did, too. Uh, I really did enjoy that conversation and, and the idea of how uh, and what the series is doing. Mm. Yeah, you know, that was um, that was a really good talk. I, I really um it was really wonderful to speak to you about the the seven truths, the seven mm. grandfather teachings, mm-hmm. and um, it's. Uh, um, I'm glad and really happy that it's um, it's continuing to go, and people are listening to the stories, and that it's grown too. Like an interest has grown, and an interest mm-hmm. has grown as well from Audible, um, so much so that they actually um, wanted to start an Indigenous Writers Circle. Um, and like, I was like, sure, sounds good to me. <laughs> if we can get more of our people writing and, you know, noticed and voice amplified, that's great. Yeah. So do you know more about that process, about how this Audible series managed to create that interest so it has grown into something like that we're going to be talking about today, the Audible Indigenous Writers Circle? 
Yeah, I think the the genuine need for and the recognized need for um, a program like this, a mentorship program uh, for writers in our communities, in our First Nation, Métis, Inuit communities. I mean, like there's um, there is an appetite to hear our stories um, and also to there's an appetite for us to tell our stories. And what's really cool about this program is that this, uh, you know, it, it, it pairs us together, writers, emerging writers uh, with writers, already established writers. And I think that that's an incredible thing because I remember, you know, um, when I was uh, when I was younger, when I was interested in in writing, um, I didn't really have a mentor. You know, mm. like I didn't have anyone to talk to, other than my high school teachers. You know, um, that was Miss uh, um, Craby. I remember her in high school. <laughs> uh, she was great, but you know, it was more like by feel. You know, and you don't mm. as a as a writer. Um, and when you're starting out, it's like, who do you call? How do you get a story published? How do you know a story is good or not? You know, mm. um, so many questions. Mm. Um, and so when Audible approached me saying, you know, we want to do this, I thought to myself, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, and going back to that time when you were struggling through that by your, yourself without without too much mentorship, as you said, what what do you think some of the benefits were of that for you, though? Oh, of, of doing it myself? Yeah. <laughs> I swear it's a story of my life, I think, in so many ways. It's like, you know, you're sort of, um, sort of scraping and crawling along and hoping <laughs> something works out somewhere. Mm. Um, you know, there is definitely a benefit to that. Uh, you do learn a lot, that's mm. for sure. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I like to think that um, oh, I've, I've aged quite a bit. You know, I've been <laughs> writing and doing this for a number of uh, years now. Um and so I, I hope I have knowledge now that I can help others mm. with, you know, but saying that though, I'm still learning all the time, you know, like right. I was not, you know, a part of Canlet uh, for many decades, you know, I was a, I was a journalist, um, but when I was a journalist at the star year, like sort of a cog in the machine, right. Mm. And daily grind. And mm-hmm. um, um, also like, you know, working and writing. Um, and I was very lucky to be a journalist at the star, but, uh, you know, you need a job too, right? You've got to feed your mm-hmm. children. Sure. And, like, you know, sometimes there isn't a lot of extra time for, for writing um, and you really have to carve it out um, and make that happen. And, and that can be difficult, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that's one of the one of the things that we want to talk about with the writer's circle um, once we get our, our mentees um, together is too, is how to carve out that time, how to do it. And, you know, is it's, it's difficult. Everyone's got different lives, different patterns, different jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's, you know, the one thing I, I can say is I remember starting out and thinking to myself, like my dad always told me, like my dad was Polish. My mom is on a Schnabek way. Um, and my dad kept on telling me, you know, you need to get a job. You need to get a job. Mm. And I think I did this in our last interview, like he wanted me to become a pharmaceutical salesman. Wow. And not a writer. Like, cause he's like, you know, because you can have a job at the car mm. and they're like, um, you know, it's, it's stable income. 
and that was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to write. Um, but you also need to support yourself right. until you get to the point where you can be a writer, you know? Yeah, absolutely. As you were speaking there, and I'm, I'm really thinking of, of the forward story we're going to get to with this Indigenous Writers Circle. So I'm not just throwing this out there for no reason. As you think back on those early days, as you were struggling, do you remember at any point in time when you thought that you actually, I, I now feel like a writer, that you actually landed that, you know, because there's always those early days you're, you're questioning everything about yourself, right? Yeah, it's uh, those early days are pretty tough. Um, um, but I still feel like I'm in those early days. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like I, I never, you never, uh, I think that's part of being a writer is mm. you never feel like, uh, you never feel you know, like this confident, amazing, you know, being that's out there with this big, strong voice and doing all this stuff. Like, mm. you know, you're a conduit very much mm. to um, your experiences and your thoughts and your feelings and what's around you, what's happening in your community, um, you know, what's happening at home. Um, there's there's lots of being a writer's heart, you know, it's um, and I don't know if you ever get to that point where there's a turning point where you think I'm a hundred percent on it and right. i am like you know give me all the pulitzer privacies because i must be the best you know i don't yeah, I know I, I, I wasn't going there i only can think of one person that might think of themselves like that and, and i think we don't know who that was he just got voted out but anyway um uh, I, w- I was just wondering that because I think that as younger people come in and i think you you know you're relating that story not just to writers, but any creative uh, yeah. kind of endeavor, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any creative endeavor, uh, that's 100% true. I mean, um, podcasting, film, mm. um, everything, you know, but at the heart of it, though, is story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's the craft of story yeah. and is the story that comes to us from our communities and our families and the people in our lives, um, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about even something like an Indigenous Writers Circle that um, that we're starting here. Um, a story is the basis of everything, and it's our truths, um, mm-hmm. and it's how we teach um, our experiences from one generation to the next. Um, and that's why this is a really cool program, you know. And the idea of a circle and of us getting together. And also, too, um, I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, I I believe it's 15 people are going to be chosen to be part of the circle. And each of those 15 people, we're going to reimburse them, too, like give them $1,000 each, which is so, I think, important to also um, everyone to know. Because I know as a writer, you often don't get um, a really good paychecks or any paycheck (laughs) at all. And you can be very hungry. Um, so yes, uh, yeah. You just mentioned that word hunger and being hungry or, or that hunger is, is, do you think that's part of the driving force as well? Um, yes, I do. I, you know, I think that, uh, there's a need and a yearning to tell our stories, um, and to, uh, to, to, to speak, Mm. speak our truths. 
you know, mm. and that yearning um, is very much comes from within. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I really, truly do. And the more people we can help to get our stories heard, our truths heard, is it's really important. Mm. Well, you've mentioned this Audible Indigenous Writers Circle, and that's launching in the summer of this year, 2021, and people can apply now. Now, here's the thing. The Audible Indigenous Writers Circle is a six-month membership workshop program for emerging First Nation, Inuit, and Métis writers in Canada looking to elevate their stories, as Tanya just pointed out, and the inaugural program, as we say, launches this year. So this is the first one. And a little bit more about it. It has embarked on this mission to elevate the voices of Indigenous people in Canada in an effort to enhance equity and support reconciliation. The Audible Indigenous Writers Circle will support the next wave of emerging Indigenous writers by uh, leveraging Audible resources and creative community connections to provide mentorship and learning opportunities that will help program participants tell their own stories, as you just pointed out, Tanya. More stories. Let's bring them on. Bring on the stories. Now, Tanya, you have you've been chosen as one of the mentors. You're featured on the page for uh, Mm -hmm. audible.ca. When you go there, there you are. There's a nice picture of you. (laughs) Makeup on and everything. (laughs) My makeup on. Yes, that's great. (laughs) That's an inside joke, folks, because we were just talking about that just prior to to the conversation starting. Um, but there you are. Now, here's the thing. We were just talking about how you still don't feel necessarily like you've arrived. You still feel like you're in those early days. And it's something that every creative, I think, person does go through and feel. It never leaves them. Maybe it's part of what makes the the longing and earning and yearning for telling stories and, and wanting to get that out there. And and it, I guess in many ways, creative people are those conduits for those stories and the, and the things that are told or shared in whatever kind of uh, creative process that might might come through them. So, as a mentor, w- w- how did they how did they come to you and ask you? Would you be willing to do this? I'm basically just like that. And so, yes, and that I remember thinking, you know, and I, I, I said to Audible too. I was like, you know, wow, it's that's it's a great opportunity. Um, and I thought, you know, can I do this? Do I have, um, you know, do I have the, you know, to be honest with you, to the bandwidth mm. to, to do this? Um, and I thought to myself, you know, you, you, you know, you got to do this. We have to do this. This is really important. Um, it's important to build our writers up and have our voices heard and our stories out there. Um, and, you know, I, I got to say, like, um, Audible's been really great. Um, they were great as a creative partner when I did Seven Truths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, I was given free creative reign to come up with that seven-part series, um, mm-hmm. which is something that I wanted to tell. And they, they basically said, here, here, go for it, and we'll see you at the other end. Um, and so when it's all over, just let us know. And it's, you know, and then it's, it's, then we'll put it into the world and we'll help you put it into the world. Mm. They truly did. Um, and so now they've come back um, and uh, said, you know, let's, let's do more. Mm. Let's, uh, let's, let's get more voices out there. Mm. 
And I, I think that, you know, it's just, you know, Audible's uh, trying to get a hold in, in um, and make themselves a little bit more known in, um, in Canada um, with original content. Mm. And so I think that, um, you know, if, if we can sort of harness a bit of that and um, um, spread the love to some of our community members and get their voices out there, let's do mm. it. You have some experience in both worlds, and what I mean by that is in terms of telling stories both on a page, written, as well as voicing them more auditory in that sense. How would you say that that those two uh, help or, or change the way a story is, is revealed? Mm. Uh, that's a, such a good question. Um, you know... Um, it's very different storytelling. Um, s- saying something orally, um, you know, uh, standing in front of people or being in a circle and telling a story, um, you have an emotional connection with the people that are with you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you're in a circle telling a story or if you're on a stage telling a story, um, you know, you can see people's faces. Mm-hmm. And that is... Um, for a long time, that was really unnerving to me, um, you know, because I am actually, um, I'm a pretty shy person at mm-hmm. heart. Um, and I never, ever thought that I would be somebody um, speaking. And that's um, why I like the written word a little bit more, um, you know, when I didn't get into television. Um for many, many years. And that was because I was more comfortable as a, as a writer. Um, it's more uh, writing by yourself sometimes is more solitary. Mm. And then when you're storytelling, you know, you see all of these faces in front of you and they, um, you all f- feed off of each other too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you feel their energy. Um, and, um, but it's still, it's all sacred uh I think it's all sacred work telling our stories. I really do. Mm. I think it's hard to do that. Uh, that's interesting what you just said there, sacred work. Um, how, how, and I'm just wondering about mentorship in terms of how do you relay that or, or is that something you would, you would uh, bring up with someone if you're mentoring them or do you think that that is something that someone has to come to on their own? I think a little bit of both, but I, I think that definitely someone has to come to that on their own. They have to, you know, um, they have to understand that they need to handle their stories with care mm-hmm. um, and to respect the stories. Um, you know, I, I come at it and I have to say from a very nonfiction point of view, right? So mm-hmm. my stories are all based in truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... Uh, mm-hmm. um, that comes with its own um, own set of um, own set of almost burdens and loves, and mm. uh, it's 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 different, you know. Um, sure. Sometimes I uh, I think about fiction writers, and I think, wow, what's that like? <laughs> what's that like to sit <laughs> and to create and to not think about. Um, you know, you don't have that same um, responsibility in a way um, to making sure that the stories you tell are told with love and honor mm. and are accurate. Um, and, you know, you can, you're, you've got much more of an imagination to create and to do, 
you know, where your mind takes you. Right. Um, and, I, you know, I think that that's going to be a good conversation to have with mentees is the responsibility of story. Right. Um, you know, Duncan McHugh often says, um, I've heard him say this many times, uh, don't be a story taker. Hmm. Um, you know, have responsibility for your stories. Um, and of course, Duncan as well um, writes nonfiction mm-hmm. and is a journalist. Right. Um, and so we come at it from a, from a different view, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I marvel at fiction writers. Um, I really do. Um, and I, I so, you know, we talked about learning at the beginning of this 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 mm-hmm. call, and like that's an area I learn in. You know, and how mm-hmm. to tell stories, and there are other people um, that will be joining us um, in the writer's circle mm. that um, that can tell that those stories right. a little bit more. Uh, do you, you know? do you have uh, an idea of who some of the other mentors might be? Um, yeah, sure. Like, uh, I, you know, I don't know if um, everything's been uh, signed off on yet, right. but I, you know. Um, I can tell you that, yeah, I've been talking to um, to a few other writers that I really admire. Mm-hmm. This, right. um, and, um, yeah, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say. No this. worries. That's fine. But we'll just leave it at there will be more. <laughs> and like, you know, especially like this, it's like, yeah, it's um, I'm just I'm really I'm really thrilled. Um, I got to say, um I'm very thrilled. Mm, Great. You're listening to Element FM. This is Moment of Truth in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And also now on the iHeartRadio app, you can listen anywhere across the country. Take it with you anywhere you go. And we also want to welcome listeners on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth. We welcome you all to the show. My guest here on the show is Tanya Talaga. We are having a second conversation with her about the Audible series and uh, it, the seven truths that was that uh, Audible.ca uh, turned into an Audible series f- by Tanya um, is the first conversation we had about this. But now, apparently, things have gone so well, they have got now, we're la- they're launching this Audible Indigenous Writers Circle, and that's going to be coming up, and people can apply online, I'm guessing, if that's correct, that people just go to the audible.ca site, and they can find out more about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's, um, there's a lot of detail there, and you can apply till the end of April. Um, and yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a pretty great thing. Uh, we're going to have, uh, workshops, um, we're going to have check-ins with writers. Um, and I think that, you know, if we can give our experience to, to writers that are just starting out or have been writing for a while and, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. maybe being in the dark by themselves yeah. or, and, and want to know if, if what they're doing is 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 wonderful and good and if they're on the right track and if they need some help, you know, um, I think that uh, we'll be there for them. I'm glad you pointed that out about maybe not necessarily uh, young emerging. There could be some other more mature people that haven't, just haven't gotten around to it or didn't feel comfortable. And maybe now they're at a point where they feel, yeah, I'm ready for this and, and want to re- reach out and do something and, and see what the world thinks of what I'm doing. Uh, if it has any value, uh, they should be applying as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I think there's, uh, like, you know, when I think about it, I um, didn't write my first book until, mm. how old was I? I was in my 40s. Mm. There you go. Mid- yeah. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's never too late. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, sometimes it takes a while to build up that knowledge uh, and and just that uh, that that life experience to be able to find a way to get that story or song or whatever it is out of you. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, so it's and it honestly, it's never too, it's never too late, right? I mean, um, there's, uh, you know, sometimes there's obstacles in our in our way, and mm-hmm. um, there's we never think that it's the right time mm-hmm. uh, to do something, and so. Yeah, um, I hope people of all ages apply, really. Sometimes it takes you a while to, to write that poem or to, um, to write that um, podcast or to write that story. Um, and so I think that we have to honor those people as well that are just starting out no matter how old they are. And, you know, you just made a great point there, uh, Tanya, because how many stories have we heard about people's lives that have had terrible, uh, you know, just just very difficult early lives and it took them 20, 30 years to get to the point where they actually had a, a, a settled enough kind of a lifestyle that they were actually able to get to what they, they want to actually do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, not every life is is like textbook perfect at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. No, it's no way. I mean, there's um, every one of us has uh, um, has their own path, right? Our, our own obstacles, our own um things that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. and so you know sometimes it's easy to pick up a pen and sometimes it's not yeah so people can go to audible.ca to find out more about this audible indigenous writers circle and if you scroll down the page you can find out all about it it says about the indigenous writers circle the mentors the program eligibility how you can apply as well as accessing the program and then it's got a bunch of frequently asked questions that people can actually click on and and uh, get some quick answers to and you said this is going to be open until the end of april Yep. And uh, yep. Now I was just going to say, do you have any idea how many um, how many uh, uh, people you're looking to uh, potentially bring into the program? I believe it's fifteen. That's a good number. Um, yeah, that's a good number. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good number. Um, and um, as I said, like every every one of the fifteen, um, they will be eligible for a thousand dollars each to sort of help them um, support their participation in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really key too, right? Um, yeah, it is. So they're going to get, uh, if they get registered and they're selected, um, and there's a few things, of course, they have to do. They have to submit some work. People have to be able to see that and see what they've done. And there's different ways and different formats that you can submit, uh, not exceeding 5,000 words, for instance, or 30 minutes in length if it's an audio form. Um, once people are selected and they get into this, uh, it's six months long. Is there an end goal, aside from being able to work and be mentored by uh, people like yourselves, is there an end goal that, that something might come out of this at the end? I think so, you know, like if um, if we can help reach, um, yeah, for sure, like, you know, um, if we can help people reach publishers mm. um, or newspapers or, um, you know, podcast makers, um and of course, Audible's right there too. So, right. Yeah, sure. Like you know, hey, this is a good one. <laughs> um, so, uh, which is great. You know, mm. like um, there's another platform. Right. So, um, I think that that's uh, hopefully going to be giving a leg up. I hope to um, 
some people that maybe didn't have them. Um, have someone in their corner before. Tanya, it's been great speaking with you again. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come on the show and, and share with us. It's so nice to hear your voice and uh, Chimigwech and Nyawagoa for doing so. Chimigwech, David. I always enjoy speaking to you. You've got a great show and um, you really take the time and care to speak with all of us and I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say thank you so much. You take care. You too. All right. That is Tanya Talaga, an acclaimed, award-winning Anishinaabe journalist and author. And it was a pleasure to have her on the show talking about the Audible Indigenous Writers Circle. You can find out more by going to audible.ca and uh, do so. Do apply now. Go there now. That is your show for today. I'm your host, David Moses. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.